It is time now for Green Visions, a KUMD production to encourage green thinking and green actions. Green Visions is made possible by the Minnesota Power Energy Conservation Program, making progress toward a lower carbon energy future. Wisconsin's wolf population and a number of the citizens in Wisconsin are uh, definitely impacted by the wolf hunt last year. Wolves lost protection from the Endangered Species Act on January 4th in the lower 48, and then in late February, just a matter of weeks later, the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources uh, held a wolf hunt It ended after only three days, but in that time, sportsmen killed nearly 100 extra wolves soaring past the quota set at 119 animals. Uh, Dog packs apparently were used to hunt the wolves. Uh, There are Ojibwe tribes in Wisconsin that are saying... Uh, We're invoking treaty rights. This needs to be rethought. The plans for the 2021 uh, or the the uh, the 2022 hunt, I believe, are already underway. Wildlife biologist Peter David with the Great Lakes Indian Fish and Wildlife Commission joins us this morning to give us more information. Hey, Peter, good morning. It's great to have you with us. Good morning, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be here and to share my morning coffee with you. There we go. All, all about the coffee. So, our, all right, I am not a hunter, so this is something that I don't necessarily understand, but don't like when you're going to hunt deer, don't they issue like X many permits and you can't really kill? You know, it's like they if they issued 100 permits, you could, you know, people could kill 100 deer. How do you kill 100 extra wolves if the quota is set at 119? Yeah, there were several things that contributed to that, that gross exceedance of the quota. Uh, one of them is that the Wisconsin Natural Resources Board issued or approved issuing up to 20 permits uh, for each wolf that was to be harvested. So there was a great, uh, a tremendous number of hunters in the wolves in the woods. In fact, there were there were more hunters than hunted in the February season here in Wisconsin. Uh, then there's some other things that contribute as well. For example, that hunters have a 24-hour time period to report their kill. And then the zone cannot actually be closed until 24 hours after it has been announced. And this hunting with hounds is an extremely efficient method. The harvest came in very rapidly, and the state wasn't able to shut the season down as the quota was being hit. Isn't it illegal to hunt bear with dogs? I I I I I, I confess that in. That I that I have done so a little bit of reading about this, and I know that um, hunting with dogs is controversial uh, for people that are concerned about wildlife because it really is kind of an unfair advantage. Uh, not to mention the potential danger to dogs, which of course is something always at the front of my mind. In Wisconsin, it is legal uh, to use dog uh, for both bears and wolves, and uh, that certainly is one of the reasons why. Uh, this has been much more controversial, I think, in Wisconsin than in Minnesota. Uh, and it is a practice that many people find, um, you know, violates ideas of fair chase, for example. Uh, and especially in this highly technical world we're in, when we have dogs that uh, can carry radio collars, 
Uh, they can be tracked from snowmobiles and other machines. Um, it, it's an ethical question, I think, for very many people whether this is a legitimate way uh, to harvest an animal. The state's Natural Resources Board says in August that they are um, considering a kill goal. They considered a kill goal as high as 504 wolves before settling on 300 wolves. Um, and they, according to the information uh, that I have here, they didn't believe their own researchers. Yeah, this has really been a, a volatile situation. In fact, I think when we first talked about arranging this interview this morning, uh, we expected that Wisconsin was going to be beginning its fall hunting season here on Saturday. Uh, a lot has happened in the last two weeks. Uh, there was a suit brought in state court in Wisconsin uh, by a coalition of, of animal uh, advocacy groups and interests that resulted in an injunction being placed on the fall hunt. And the judge indicated that the state of Wisconsin had to set the quota essentially at zero and had to comply with state rulemaking processes, which the state has sort of skirted. They've been... Uh, doing wolf hunts under a 10-year-old emergency rule, which is a violation of the state constitution. Uh, and so that placed an injunction in that, on this hunt, at least for the time being. You know, there's questions about whether the state is going to appeal that case or not. Uh, just last week, there was a separate suit brought in federal court that the um, season would be violating the tribe's treaty rights and their interests in protecting Mayinga, the, the wolf. And... Uh, it, that might have seemed like uh, unnecessary, given the injunction that was placed in state court. But this situation has been so volatile, and with the possibility of an appeal by the state, uh, the tribes are interested in having that case at least heard by the judge, so that if that injunction was lifted, he would be able to act very quickly on the federal ruling. So a lot of moving parts going on here. You did. The other thing that you brought up here was the actual quota that was being established, and uh, the Wisconsin DNR staff recommended a quota of 130 for this fall hunt. Um, that's a number that um, many people have concerns about as well, about how biologically sound that is. Uh, it was less than the 300 recommendation uh, that was made by the Natural Resources Board. And it was pretty clear, uh, anyone who would listen to the Natural Resources Board, that they set that number really in an effort to get around the tribe's treaty rights when it comes to wolves. Um, and the Wisconsin DNR did a really unprecedented step by rejecting the Natural Resources Board recommendation and following their own 130 number. Uh, but as I said, there's, there's legitimate questions about the biological soundness of, of that recommendation. Uh, I know glyphic biologists are concerned that that will lead to a further decline in the Wisconsin wolf population that occurred uh, in February, even though the, the stated objective of the state is to not cause the population to decline further. If you have a hunting season and, again, you're going to hunt 100 animals and you end up hunting 105 uh, you can say we, you know, we need to keep better control. Nobody's going to get really upset. But in three days to go a hundred animals over, am I reading something into this, or does, or does it? Is there really some kind of a 
vendetta is a, is a loaded word. Is there is there some kind of a we got to get rid of wolves going on here? Well, that's a good question, and and it really goes down to why hunt wolves in the first place, or should we be hunting wolves at all? Uh, and and I can say that most of the reasons that are commonly given for hunting wolves. Um, that sort of focus on wolves as being a problem on the landscape don't really hold up when they're applied to scientific scrutiny. Um, so we, we know scientifically that uh, we don't need to hunt wolves to limit their numbers. They do that very effectively themselves. We know that hunting isn't an effective way to deal with the um, rare livestock depredations that do occur um, and that there are much better ways to address that. And so when you get down to why do people actually hunt wolves, it really comes down uh, that for most individuals, there's one of two things. One is it's, it's essentially sort of a novelty or a trophy. Uh, it's an opportunity to kill something they haven't killed before. Uh, and in Wisconsin, I think there's also, for very many people, sort of truthfully a vendetta or a vengeance against wolves because uh, we allow the hunting with dogs at such a great level and Wisconsin's become a mecca for that activity. Uh, there are a number of people who lose dogs during Wisconsin's very long training season in the summer when wolves will defend their territories and their pups, really, from dogs. Um, and um, some of these hunters are out for revenge. Um, in fact, I was on a panel recently with a, a hound hunter, and uh, when, when asked point blank why do you hunt, he, that was his answer. He said, you know, we, it's a trophy, and do you want revenge? You bet. Um, so that, that's really what this hunt is providing more than anything else. The Great Lakes Indian Fish and Wildlife Commission, in an article in a recent newsletter about this issue, um, talked about the Anishinaabe perspective about killing animals for sport and also the need for a presence of sorrow and humility. And this is when you take an animal for sustenance. Talk about what the people that you are talking to, what kinds of ethical and religious concerns they're bringing to this, uh, to this conversation. This is a, a rich topic and, and one I could really talk at at great length. But in general, I'll say the, the whole idea of taking an animal for sport is quite antithetical to the Ojibwe teachings. Um, that taking an animal, any animal's life, is a serious thing, and it should really only be done to fulfill a legitimate need. And you don't even so much take an animal, but accept a gift from that animal that is responding to your request uh, to fulfill a need. And so that's very different, um, you know, than what we're seeing with this hunt. Now, I'm not a tribal member. I grew up in a sport hunting ethic, but even in that realm, you know, there's there's teachings and ethics that say, you know, you again, you don't take an animal just because you can. You don't kill it for fun. You need to have a legitimate reason to take an animal's life, and especially a very sentient social animal like a wolf. Um, and that ethics seems to be largely lacking here. And part of the big problem in Wisconsin is that back in 2012, when wolves were previously delisted, a state law was passed that said we will have a hunting season anytime wolves are not on the state or federal endangered species list. And so that has thrust Wisconsin into this really unfortunate situation now that, that we don't see unfolding in Minnesota and Michigan, 
where both of those states, I think, are taking a thoughtful path forward. They're consulting with the tribes. They're consulting with their public, their biologists, and figuring out really what is the best way to steward this, uh, this important ecological being into the future. As you are, again, talking with the people, your co-workers, the people that you talk with every day, is there a sense that it isn't just wolves that are being targeted here, that this is perhaps a an anti-native or a rejection of treaty rights, you know, oh, get over it, that stuff was written 150 years ago, let's move forward, that kind of thing? Uh, you know, it's it's hard to gauge it for certain what, what individuals' motives are behind this, but it's very clear that in the uh, Ojibwe creation story, one of the primary teachings that comes out of that is that the wolf is a brother to the Anishinaabe, and what shall happen to one of them will happen to the other. And when you go through history, you can find many, many examples where, in fact, that has exactly been the case. And actually, the recovery of wolves in Wisconsin and the recovery of the wolf population, of treaty rights, the reaffirmation of treaty rights, happened almost lockstep. And it was interesting that many people in the non-tribal community responded to both of those as in seeing them as threats, right? Wolves were going to come in and decimate the Wisconsin deer herd, which hasn't happened. Um, and tribes exercising their treaty rights were going to wipe out natural resources, and, and that has not been true. The tribes have been tremendous supporters of healthy natural resource populations. Um, but when you see your future tied to this being and you're seeing it being killed uh, really just for sport or for vengeance, um, that's an incredibly painful experience for Ojibwe people to experience. Peter, thank you so much for joining us this morning. If folks are interested in following uh, the how this is going to be moving through the courts now, obviously uh, news organizations are, are a great source. Uh, is there information that um, folks could access perhaps that tribal people are posting uh, so that we have a, an idea how that particular lawsuit is, is going through the courts? Well, you can always keep a, a finger on Glyphwick's website, which is glifwc.org. Both their website and their Facebook uh, will tend to have updates uh, posted as things unfold. And it, it is a volatile situation. Things could change a lot again. Um, but we're hoping at this point, at least, that this immediate fall hunt is, has been... Um, set aside, and we have time to sort of think about a, a proper way to go forward before next fall. Peter, thanks again for joining us this morning. It was great to have you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Have a great day. Peter David is a wildlife biologist with the Great Lakes Indian Fish and Wildlife Commission. He joined us this morning as our guest on Green Visions here on KUMD. Green Visions is made possible with support from Heritage Window and Door, the Duluth Superior Supplier for Renewal by Anderson Windows and Doors, and from the Minnesota Power Energy Conservation Program, making progress toward a lower carbon energy future.